Capgemini, they did a very interesting study um, uh, last summer, end, end of the summer. They interviewed um, 150, around 150 OEMs uh, about their software needs and future, mm -hmm. etc. Mm -hmm. So they estimated that by 20, 30, if I'm not mistaken, around 35% of all new new vehicles uh, will be on a common software platform. Mm. Up until the year before uh, or today, it, it's 7%. So it's like a triple di di digit number of acceleration of how quickly this future will, <laughs> will, 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 will come to us, mm -hmm. which is really a challenge how to move that quickly and implement those core functionalities, platforms, uh, services and everything, but also big, big opportunity for us. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk? We listen. Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion plus on a piece of paper. Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of the head. I got nothing against CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes. My guest today is an award-winning and visionary global vendor of embedded and connected software products and services for the automotive industry. She leads an international team focused on providing car makers with software that transformability enables a more interactive and intuitive driving experience. We continue the Automotive Series 2022 on Heads Talk today, and our conversation will be about the software provisions within the vehicles. But before we get into that, here is a brief message. This episode is sponsored by Axia. Axia is the leading private cloud platform in the Alessian and Matamos ecosystem, combining intelligent solutions with security and control. Axia's clients profit from digitalization and automation of critical business processes in a cloud and hybrid architecture. 150 staff provide migration, engineering and support services to over 200 leading organizations in 32 countries. Heads Talk podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Maria Anhalt is the Chief Executive Officer and Managing Director at ElectroBit, a 30-year-old corporation that provides software solutions for the automotive industry. Previously, Maria was ElectroBit's Chief Technology Officer and prior to that served for two years as Senior Vice President, Head of Cross-Divisional Systems and Technology at Continental. Earlier in her career, Maria worked at HP, Hewlett Packard Enterprise, and MicroFocus in various leadership positions, corporate development, and head of research and development, with particular focus on hybrid cloud and automation software. In the course of her extraordinary career, she has developed into a future-oriented leader who drives innovation and turns big ideas into reality and carves out new, previously unknown paths to success. Academically, Maria holds a Master's of Computer Science degree from Karlsruhe Institute of Technology, Germany. Okay, eager to start. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Maria to Heads Talk. Delighted to have you here today. Hello, Elaine. Nice to be here. Thank you. Excellent. Um, this conversation will be about the solutions 
available for the auto vehicle and how software defined vehicles have come a long way. Okay, first things first, you need to tell my listeners about your organization and your customer base if you can. Sure, my pleasure. So Electrobit is a pure play system and software company, three and a half thousand people across, across the world and we do software. Software for embedded connected software products and services in the automotive industry. For mm -hmm. more than 30 years, we are working with the leading car makers, suppliers, tier one technology providers. And if you ask me about our customer base, I'm often asked, how can you um, uh, describe it in types? And mm -hmm. I usually speak about three types. One are the traditional, the established car makers. Now think of the VWs, the BMWs, the Fords, mm -hmm. the Toyotas mm -hmm. in this world. And we serve these customers, okay? Mm -hmm. There's another type of customers. I, I refer to those uh, as the Mavericks. Now thinks of the Elon Musks, of the Steve Jobs, mm -hmm. of all those people who do something basically new, different, they're crazy enough and have the economical power to do something different and they leave footprints in the sand. Okay, mm -hmm. so the, the Teslas and the, and the new startups in China or in the US, and we're mm -hmm. serving those customers as well. And then there are the so-called high-tech customers or high-tech uh, tech technology um, companies. People think of the Apples, of the mm -hmm. Amazons, of the Googles who invade the automotive space as, as a partners, as, mm -hmm. a, as a technologist. We work with those as well in partnerships. Mm -hmm. And there are types of customers like the electronic customers like like the Sonys of this world uh, who recently entered the automotive space mm -hmm. as well. And these are big customers for us. So we serve all three types, the established one, the Mavericks, like mm -hmm. the, the, the startups in the automotive mm -hmm. space, but also those who come from adjacent industries. Oh, so, so, so quite a wide remit. How would you... Do you differ to that of your competitors? What is your differentiator and in that space? So um, one, one, one thing that we, uh, we do differently is we offer products and services. So traditionally in the automotive space, uh, people come from the services uh, orientation. Mm -hmm. That means you come to me, you are a Daimler or BMW or whatsoever, yeah? And you mm -hmm. say, I want this thing from you, do it for me. And I do it, I implement it, IP stays with you, service, okay? The high tech comes more from the product orientation. You license something and you deploy this for multiple uh, users, yeah? So multiple, multiple domains. Mm -hmm. And we offer both products and services, products that you, that serve multiple, uh, multiple uh, customers that can be deployed wildly can be uh, can be uh, customized, mm -hmm. and they're competitors of ours that specialize in products, and mm -hmm. they're competitors of ours that offer services, implementation services, and we do both, which is a huge differentiation differentiation for us. And as I said, we have a, um, intellectual property. We have a DNA of being able to serve the well-established one that works in 30 years in automotive space and those of the newcomers to have to, who have a different speed, agility, flexibility. And we have the power in our company to serve both development cycles, um, uh, mindset, uh, speed, etc. So these are like two core differentiating factors that we have. 
All right. So, so it's it's really a, a holistic service offering that you, you provide in, in that space. Um, it, you've been providing software solutions for over 30 years. You, you've mentioned that. Um, how has that changed over the years? What was the percentage of the vehicle that could be described as software, software I should say, say 20 years ago? And what is it today? Oh, this is a very good question. So uh, vehicles come from a, from a very hardware-oriented yeah. uh, era, yeah? So, um, and one of the biggest transformation was to move from more mechanical to elect, uh, um, electrical engineering, yeah? Mm -hmm. a, a big transformation in automotive space. And then the next one that came is more on the software side. And software has invaded the automotive space, I would say, in the last maybe 10 years, more and more and more software. Mm -hmm. The software was not a core element that you sell, that you have on the yeah. bomb, the bill of materials. Okay. So you have, I always say software is the fifth wheel in a vehicle. Yeah. Kind of a step stepchild mm -hmm. to the extent that we have so much software in the, in the meantime yeah. in, in, the, in the car that it has become unmanageable so the, if you if you see the lines of codes this is like times of a, a, a airplane and and here's where people become to say okay we need, need to start to look at the software in a very different mm -hmm. different way how we structure how we design it how we maintain it uh, how we how we architecture the whole thing mm -hmm. and the second element around the software when we talk about software defined vehicles is um, now think of a, like a like like a modern car, state of the art car. Many people uh, um, uh, make a comparison between a modern car with with a smartphone, smartphone mm -hmm. on vehicle, and say, mm -hmm. I expect the same user experience. I expect similar connectivity. I expect to to get all my ecosystem and environment in a, in, in, in a car, like I have it on my smartphone. And you remember the, the phones uh, like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, um, that differentiation comes from software. So you have to start to define your functions, your applications, your extensibility from the software point of view. And this is what is the software defined from a system level, not the hardware and then a level four or five, then you start bothering about the software, you start with the software functions with the user experience in mind, and then define the whole system and the corresponding elements. This is the software defined. It's one of the biggest trends and approaches in the in the modern automotive industry mm. these days. That's so interesting. And, and therefore, naturally, that would breed a different type, type of technical skill in the development of the car. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. We need much more people who have had studied computer science who can yes. design software system uh, extensibility, how to maintain it, how to ensure that we can update a vehicle mm -hmm. years after after the car is already on the street. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay. You were, as mentioned in the introduction, you, you were the Chief Technology Officer um, mm -hmm. of Electrobit before you became the CEO. So I'm well aware that you are comfortable talking about software capabilities as you've just done so uh, a few weeks <laughs> ago. And so I'm happy about that. But can you provide examples of some key software solutions that you provide for your customers that my listeners can sort of take a bite into it and understand it? Um, uh, absolutely. So. Um... 
if you uh, if we speak in products okay reusable yeah. uh, reusable pieces okay that are applicable for multiple customers now think of a car think of a car like a computer like a data center okay mm -hmm. and there is tons of software in the car which you and I as end users, we sit in the car and we don't see it. We don't experience it. It's like your operating system in your laptop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's tons of car that you will experience your automated driving, your, your navigation system, etc. You follow me. Okay. Mm -hmm. So our products, the reusable pieces are on those operating system uh, level. And most of the traditional car makers, um, we supply them with operate automotive operating system modules mm -hmm. okay so if you want and what we say is our software is the foundation for customers innovation because on that foundation on this software layer they build their functions their their applications etc now mm -hmm. let me give you an example about about more services oriented approach. I mentioned Sony uh, some minutes ago. Mm -hmm. When Sony came to us, like a Japanese company, ele um, uh, electronics company, no clue of automotive, but knows user experience. Mm -hmm. We are pioneers in automotive. Um, so we co-created a whole user experience design for next generation software defined vehicle. And Sony looks at this from a different perspective. These are the guys that developed the, the Walkman. They, they have end users, gadgets. They think yeah. of end, uh, like user experience differently than car makers. It's like mm -hmm. behavioral science. And for them, it was more, it is more and more essential to create an experience in the car in an environment, not for the driver solely, but mm -hmm. for all passengers in the car. So our job was to create a software platform, a software system, entire system design, how to integrate Sony's ecosystem, the streaming, like this, like the Netflix in Europe, yeah? yeah. The, the streaming, the movies, the, the playstations and everything that was much more important for them to have that experience of the Sony ecosystem, then how do you connect your iPhone for navigation? Yeah, and mm -hmm. we created the, the design, uh, the, the software defined system, the software platform to integrate the, uh, the Sony ecosystem. And we implemented the entire infotainment system. So these are like two examples, okay? Non-differentiating product for the end user on the mm -hmm. operating mm -hmm. system. Most of the traditional OEMs, uh, car makers are our customers. And I give you an example for technology company where we have built something end-to-end -end entire solution. Right, that's fascinating. Um, are, are, you, are you finding that you're constantly changing and amending the software solutions? Is there like a speed of change that perhaps is sometimes challenging to keep up with? Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, things are... Things are developing, developing so fast yeah. these days. This is this is part of the challenge, but this is also part part of the opportunity. Um, um, when you when we you were mentioning my my biography, I, I come from the high tech okay industry. Mm -hmm. Four years with the automotive, and people ask me what has changed in the last four years. And I look back mm -hmm. and I look at all the trends. Four years, nothing changed. It's always. Automatic driving aiders, safe uh, mobility, uh, mm -hmm. electricity, and uh, 
the same. I mean, whether these are the top four, the top five, they, they are all the same. But what differs, okay, differs are the numbers, the percentages, how quickly the future is arriving. And every every half a year, every year, these percentages become bigger and bigger. So basically, the trends are the same, but they arrive arrive much quicker. For example, um, Capgemini they did a very interesting study um, uh, last summer, end end of the summer. They interviewed um, 150 around 150 OEMs uh, about their software needs and future, mm -hmm. etc. Mm -hmm. So they estimated that. By 2030, if I'm not mistaken, around 35% of all new new vehicles uh, will be on a common software platform. Mm. Up until the year before uh, or today, it, it's 7%. So it's like a triple di di digit number of acceleration of how quickly this future will, <laughs> will, 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 will come to us, mm -hmm. which is really a challenge how to move that quickly and implement those core functionalities, platforms, uh, services, and everything, but also big, big opportunity for us. Right. Okay. And I assume these updates are done as an, an, an OTA? Um, up, updates in the software uh, after a car is after a car is released are done through the over-the-air updates, yes. Yes, okay. Okay, that's fine. Okay, and you mentioned when you were talking about this, your products are provided for customer innovation. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering how much of your interaction and consultation with your customers drives the actual changes and updates? That, that question always fascinates me. Um, updates you have with your software. How does it work? Is, is there a feedback process? How does that, that work in order to create the next level, if that makes any sense? So do you mean uh, over-the-air updates, how often we update the features or do no, you No, no, not so much over-the-air update. This is like really sort of physical level with your customer base because you talked about they need your products for innovation. So mm -hmm. in terms of the dialogue and consultations, what are you having? How does that work in order for you to develop these products, in order for you to... Uh, okay, and now I get it. So this is a great question. That is also in flux in, in a change. So if you look at like years back in the very traditional development, yeah. you'll get, you'll get um, a requirements yeah. document. It's not even a document, it's a book. Yeah, like, <laughs> like uh, 400, yeah. 500 pages. Yeah, and, and you... Uh, request for information, the request for quote, then you'll yeah. quote, and, and then you start delivering. And these SOP uh, cycles are very long in the, in the mm -hmm. you know, traditional mm -hmm. auto, auto, automotive uh, space. And, and, and you deliver, and worst case, you'll test it, uh, test it in the end. Mm -hmm. What is changing is a more an agile, agile approach, where more and more um, mm -hmm. car makers are embracing this. They would implement own uh, CI/CD continuous integration, continuous delivery capabilities, and will work with software vendors like us, mm -hmm. hand in hand, to provide this. Why? Why is this? Why is this really good? And that comes from the high tech industry is because you cannot predict the future that easily, and especially mm -hmm. when you develop something over months and years. It's easier to develop. Uh, a system in chunks, in product increments, okay, mm -hmm. and, uh, and and then integrate everything, see how it works, how how it feels, 
decide whether you would like to do some changes to the next phase. So it's a more safe, more secure environment to develop in terms of changes and how quickly you can respond to changing requirements. Okay, mm -hmm. so that is essential. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing how our customers are moving also more and more in that direction. There are more mature ones who yeah. have this already established. There are more traditional ones who are making their, their, their first steps. There are also customers that say, hey, see, I, I, we have zero experience. We don't have much experience. Can you build this for us? Can you teach us? We also have consultancy services around this. So we'll step and use our, our environment for building and reusing, reusing this. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, great question. Yeah, and I, and I suppose you're there's more and more sort of co-creating with you both. You're both leveraging your skill sets in order to to create um, more so now than beforehand. Absolutely, co-creation is 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 an uh, is an important piece, uh, especially for these differentiating functions and services when yeah. you do something for the first time. So for the Sony, for this car, which won a lot of innovation prizes, I mean, that yeah. it will be exhibited yeah. again now in, in Vegas in, in January, is when you do things for the first time, it's, you have a vision, you have an idea where you're moving, but mm -hmm. you, you learn through experimentation yeah. and yeah. co-creation of this user, user experience was essential piece, piece of the success when you built on the experience from somebody who knows behavioral science yeah, and use experience yeah. from a different domain and us knowing how to implement software in a car you know mm -hmm. what what is doable mm -hmm. how to do this how to deploy it how to scale it yeah. and uh, we learned both from from that experience that's interesting and and are you finding that the solutions are becoming more about enabling autonomous options for vehicles mm -hmm. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I see in that more so now, isn't it? Getting everything ready yeah. for that AV end, so to speak. Okay. Uh -huh. as, as, a, as a side question, because this podcast is all about talking to C-suites and mm -hmm. the synergies between them, how easy was it to transition from the CTO to the CEO? I mean, your organization is about software. Mm -hmm. So would you say that due to the nature of the company, the CTO plays a greater role than the traditional CFO in an organization, in your organization? Hmm. Oh, let me think. So in technology companies, yeah. the CTO plays a major role. No, no yeah. question about this. Uh, in, in technology companies, no, no matter what kind of technology, just because the technology is 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 the business what you sell, yes. the, the skills, uh, the services, the products, and probably... 90% plus of the workforce are, are technologists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so it's it's the visionary, is the technology, is the evolution, is is the roadmap, but also the whole execution. So that is very important to uh, to understand. And likewise, likewise, the burden that lies on, on the CTOs is is also to have a broader business understanding compared mm -hmm. to. To somebody who does technology or or um, or tech in a more traditional company that in a non-technical exactly so it's 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 in both both direction. Now, being a CEO, you're responsible uh, thought leadership, marketing, how you position this mm -hmm. vision, mm -hmm. markets, uh, where you start. You whole you have the whole transformation industry, automotive, geopolitical cha changes. Uh, industry shifts priorities so as a ceo um 
I continue to be very much involved in the technology. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Quite yeah. a bit so. But you also have to cater about sales and pre-sales and post-sales and customer experience yeah. and contracts yeah. and negotiations and going into different spaces. And if you want to place the, the, the company in more adjacent industry, when and how. And um, so you have more more entrepreneurial perspective. I totally understand what you're saying. And would you say, for instance, if you come in as a CEO in this technology software-based organization, it's probably almost better to have a sort of a, a CTO background as opposed to maybe a, uh, I don't know, a, a COO background. Uh, well, yeah, so see, I, I believe that in technology companies to have some, some technology understanding and even technical education is a big plus, is a mm -hmm. big plus because you, you'll be, uh, you, you have, intuition you have experience how to resolve conflicts you will know what yeah. people are yeah. people are tell, yeah. telling you i i know of many executives that have studied something like like a natural science related mm -hmm. also physics or electronics yeah. something different um and then i believe it's easier to learn um economics or finance or i also have an mba yeah so mm -hmm. to, to learn these these pieces of the business versus vice versa if you if you're coming from an entirely non-technical field of study but mm -hmm. exceptions are there i i have colleagues who <laughs> who are great a great executives that do not have a technical education but as as a rule of the thumb i think it's easier to come from technology space mm -hmm. yeah. and 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 uh, and grow into the business uh, business responsibility Okay, that's good. And thank you for answering that. That was sure. comprehensive. Um, a, a very quick question. Um, I've asked this question before in this series, and I'm, sh I'm sure you'll be able to answer that very quickly. Um, are cars now computers and wheels, essentially software-defined vehicles? Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> that's good. Ah, very quick. <laughs> see, see I, I am glad that you're not saying smartphone on wheel because this is the most common question i get to the smart <laughs> smartphone on wheels so um i believe it's less a computer wheel it's a data center on wheel okay huh? uh, because it, 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 cars vehicles come from those hundreds of ecus electronic yes. uh, computer units okay hundreds of them and all of them have embedded software and 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 the network and integrate and we are moving towards these one brain, the high performance computers, okay? Mm -hmm. And in between we have the domains, whether you have an infotainment and ADAS and, and yes. body, et cetera. And then we're going through the zones and, and all these zones. And it's, so whether uh, whether or not we'll have one brain or, or three big HPC uh, okay. high performance computers, it doesn't matter, but it's not one. It, 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 is, it is as heavy as a data center. It, it's as heavy as a data center. If, if you look, is um, in my colleagues that work on a fully automated uh, driving vehicle, like mm -hmm. the full future. Yeah, yeah. Those cars, if you sit in those cars, they have so much gear <laughs> inside for the yes. AI, for the artificial intelligence, that they is basically, the trunk is not enough. Yeah, <laughs> this is so, so uh -huh. much, so much gear. We're talking about a complex data center. All right. 
Wow, I wasn't expecting that. So that's... <laughs> sorry, <laughs> that's good. It's got me thinking, but I'm going to move on a little bit. Sure. Um, while we celebrate that, um, I think that cars are becoming more computer than wheels. There, there's the downside. So, so, what are your general concerns in this space? Oh, what are the concerns? There are tons of things that we still need to sort out and to uh, to uh, to address. Uh, so, on top of cybersecurity, uh, uh, of course, cybersecurity is one. The more software you you have, uh, mm -hmm. the more you need to care about this. There, written you know, in the press, all kind of data breaches and mm -hmm. um, and uh, security incidents and need that yes. needs to be uh, to be handled. Um, we have an operation with Argus. We 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 uh, bought a uh, startup in in Israel-based mm -hmm. startup Argus, and um, uh, reports to me. And um, this year, I was in, in Tel Aviv in the summertime, and we have a Tesla in the garage. And and our mm -hmm. engineers cracked cracked the Tesla. Okay, so you can you can invade the car. I mean, if you if you yeah. if you're a security engineer, and we see now that. Also, governments and uh, industries are taking care, care about this. There are new regulations, yeah. ISO standards that are being rolled now, right now, where all new cars and vehicles need to cater to those specifications to to meet the security requirements. So you're seeing how the the, the bar is raising and how yes, yes. how the industry takes care. Compliance and regulations being regulated, the security, yeah. which was not until now. Okay, yes. which was not. Yeah. And you, you, you can crack a car, and the more software you have, the more easy it is. Yeah. So yeah. this is being taken take taken care. Also, when we when we speak about over the air updates and cloud and connectivity, yeah. technologies exist. But the more technology you have, the more vulnerable the system is. Yes. Another thing that that is 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 remains a biggie is is the safety has always been a, a critical element for the mobility system because we 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 care about human life uh, mm -hmm. and with the software and especially when having technology and reusing technology from the high-tech industry you know how do you do certification how do you take um, open open source software how you yeah, take yeah. software with high-tech world and make it automotive grade in his way our knowledge and experience in electrobit is 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 a big plus because we can we can make it we are known um recently a customer for us a big uh, us based uh, car maker uh, mm -hmm. uh, referred to us you're maria you're the biggest um android implementer in the automotive space and we work with google a lot in um, uh, android we mm -hmm. are we are contributing to this with open source mm -hmm. and we know how to build automotive systems uh, mm -hmm. based uh, based on android and this is a specific uh, skill set how to make it safe how to certify it and everything yeah. and of course we have as a as, as a area of, of concern how to scale how to scale software because um um, there are not enough uh, software mm -hmm. developers uh, out there. Right? It's a war for talent, um, and we need to learn how to build reusable components, a reusable system, and um, share among um, the automakers and mm -hmm. um, make sure we can scale economies of scale much quicker mm -hmm. versus reinventing the wheel again and again and everyone trying to, to, to start from scratch. You know, um, the, the thing that... I, I, that concerns me or makes me think, mm, this is interesting. How is that going to be 
looked at because when I you know I talked to um, C suites like yourself in, in the automotive mm -hmm. business, and the the question when I answer question the answer is that in terms of the data that's been collected on the car. Um, insurance companies can have access to that data directly. Am I right in saying that? Oh, this is a very tricky, tricky question. Yes. So the, yes. the question is less about can we gather the data? Can we, can we do the AI algorithms on this? Can we do the machine learning? And all of this is well understood, but the whole question of who owns the data yes. and the data privacy this is like a society topic uh, and legal topic and and not not regulated not decided yet so when when i and, and it differs from regions mm -hmm. us mm -hmm. or, or europe mm -hmm. or 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 asia is who owns the data who mm. needs to 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 sign can you use my data and then there are specific and not so easy to resolve things for example we can develop we can we have software that can can observe human's face um, mm. <laughs> uh, can give information whether you're tired and everything but you also can use whether you, whether you were the driver or not that sort of yeah, of course but you can also say whether somebody is drunk uh, i mean oh. whether uh, of course i mean yes you you can you can measure things in 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 the car but mm -hmm. do you want this i mean there are also insurances all kinds of interests um so it, it's less of the yeah, but see, uh, it's it's less a question of a technology. What can you do? You can do a lot. The uh, question to? is, who owns it? Uh, who has the right? Uh, okay. Who can, who can monetize the data? Yeah. Okay, so the does this belong to you? Yes. Yeah, so the question isn't the capabilities of whether it could happen. No. Do you know it can, can happen? The question the is, capabilities should it, are there. Should it happen? Yes. Should the, it morale? Yeah, should uh, it who owns state, it? Yes. Do you make money? Yeah. We who, who gets the money? <laughs> yeah, we've passed yeah. the could stage. Now yes. we're looking at the should stage, and yeah. I suspect Electrobit sits firmly in the could could stage. But yes. I'm sure you cross over into the should stage, and I'm sure um, legal, um, judicial, or, or insurance companies consult you, and you you become more on a consultative basis in that space. Are, are you finding that's happening? Yes, there is, for example, for AI, there is a code of ethics for AI. Most mm -hmm. of the companies have it in the meantime. You have the uh, European community who started regulating things. The US is well known that is doing things. Yeah. China as well. Uh, we speak about explainable AI. What can you do? Um, mm -hmm. Also, if you look in the uh, AD vehicles, autonomous driving vehicles, it, it, it is a question then with... Um, um, yeah. So when 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 an accident mm -hmm. happens, who mm -hmm. made what kind of decision? Yeah. How the algorithm has been uh, done? So there is a lot of discussion and dispute uh, yeah. around this. So I'm just sort of thinking and looking ahead. So while you're firmly in the, as we call it, the the could category in terms of the what you, you're technically capable of doing, I'm sure because your best place to be consulted on in, in the should stages of things. And perhaps that is, I don't know, let's talk about looking ahead for Electrofit. What you, what, where are you going? So what's the future direction of your organization? And, <laughs> and does this involve software solutions concentrating on- uh, Of course, we, we, love, we, love, we love software. So I, I spoke a lot about <laughs> uh, services and products and what we do, but you know, moving forward, what we want to be, continue to be a successful company 
where people love to work. Okay, successful company mm -hmm. where people love, love love to work. In these days, uh, to to attract and keep software developers is so so important to have purpose, purpose mm -hmm. purpose driven vision. And, and we love and breathe. We want to be a sustainable environment, um, part of the solution for the mobility space. So we say our software moves the world very purposefully. Our software mm -hmm. moves the world. Our, our we, the software is, we have a collaboration, the togetherness is the DNA of Electrobit. We have a 40% referral rate in our company. Yeah, and people, people stay with us. This, togetherness, collaboration, and also work with customers. I mentioned co-creation, yeah? Mm -hmm. Working together in the ecosystem, okay? Our software moves the world. Then we have yep. the software. That's our competence, but also our passion. We hire with people with attitude, yeah? Passion moves because the mobility is the base, is a base human need that we serve. We strive to help people move safer, to be more enjoyable in, in the vehicle and to be more sustainable than before. And then we have the world because the impact of our work is so far reaching that the steps we take can have an immense impact on the human safety and the security in our mm. environment. Mm. Yeah. So successful mm. company where people love to work and our software move moves the world it's so important to attract and keep talent and and have a vision where where you're where you're moving to yeah mm -hmm. very very important mm -hmm. for us so you have immense responsibility don't you mm -hmm. yes okay and um, are there any new product releases you'd like to talk about Oh, we have tons of new things and come to see us in Vegas, <laughs> for example, <laughs> where we'll have a couple, couple of, uh, couple of announcements. But uh, we, we have a lot of things around the automotive West that we're bringing, bringing to market, and a lot of new, new services. Yeah, oh, very, very proud of that. Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good. Um, let's end this episode of Heads Talk um, with these questions asked to all the guests in the series. First, will the electric car eventually? bring about a different type of sustainability problem yeah. that we haven't thought about. Well, um, Ceci, there's so much discussion about these electrical cars and, and is it good or, or not yeah. so good? And in some aspects, okay, in some aspects, they are much more greener than anything else that yeah. we have, okay? But they are still, still, still issues where there is research and innovation and investment for the scientists, but also the industry. I'll group them in, in two elements, the batteries, the battery and the, and the power grid okay mm -hmm. so battery because battery disposal yeah yes yes what do you do with this thing mm -hmm. okay and it does not live forever okay so mm -hmm. not resolved these days we have heard of companies who have innovative solutions to reuse the batteries for other Mm -hmm. things like solar energy farms and MIT has a lot of research here. Okay, so this is an area not resolved yet, battery disposal. Mm -hmm. The other one is uh, the battery in the, uh, in the, in the EVs um, needs, needs elements like cobalt, lithium and elements yeah. uh, from, from the mother earth. Uh, this is not an endless supply. Okay, so is that sustainable? No, 
Okay, this is also quite some research about the energy and where we'll will sustain it. Okay, mm -hmm. so that is mm -hmm. also quite discussed um, in the in the industry. And then we have the power grid, the sustainability. Do we power by coal, for example? That's not clean. <laughs> um do you take like in energy more like natural gas and we all know the issues that we have with gas yeah. these days in europe for example mm -hmm. and solar wind water and how to how to move to more sustainable uh Solution. way also living as a company so in electrobit we have uh, an, a grassrooted um, uh, movement is a green at uh, where people uh, come up with ideas what to do and implement it like like um, the uh, electric uh, the bulbs uh, the, the the water um, mm -hmm. how we live as as a company uh, where do we consume our energy change the contracts uh, many many things that's also related to this sustainability piece all right okay and there's a part two to this question uh, when do you think autonomous vehicles will be in wide use across the globe for recreational purposes. You can give us a year and why. Ha! <laughs> I have to pin you down so we can get a year out of you. I'm curious why you're asking recreational purposes. Uh, Which is okay, so, commercial purposes, so, you know. Yeah, so see, if if I take recreational thing, recreational purpose is, is recreation is, a hobby okay yes. so something that you do for enjoyment yes. to recharge to to energy booster pleasure okay mm -hmm. and what at least i i what i do and what i my friends do is you know recreational purpose is something like hunting fishing swimming yeah. boating water skiing camping picnicking hiking yeah. Yeah, but this is this is for me recreational. And if you ask me seriously, Elaine, Maria, when the year when we'll use autonomous yes. vehicle for and I'll say never, Elaine, never, because Ooh. because these vehicles are not relevant for the recreational experience. If if I go fishing, swimming, boating, the vehicle doesn't matter. It it's the nature or the environment or the physical exercise i do it's it's not the vehicle okay you can't, so you can't always walk to fishing so you have to try yeah to so, and, and, so and most of these things do not have anything with the vehicle so never but oh. if you mean if you mean if you mean recreational purposes in the sense of um um okay everyday use of the car Exactly. So if, if you mean it in that say, so I, I move from A to B and yeah. instead of driving, well, yeah. I enjoy driving, but there people don't need to drive. Okay. Yeah. And I use this time that I spent in a car, in a vehicle to do something different. Okay. Not work, but leisure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here, I think it will be sooner than later because it's not just the AD, not only the autonomous vehicle, but there's also about the experience in the car to optimize yeah. the features in the car, not only for the driver experience, but also for all passengers. So I, I talked about the Sonic car, but in the Sonic car, we have nine displays around, around the car. So everyone who sits there, watch movies, the whole ecosystem, street, streaming, etc. So we are doing the industry, we uh, doing a lot of things mm -hmm. that are enabling functionality and features and experience that you sit 
in this space in, in your vehicle and, and have a different experience, different possibilities, different connectivity mm -hmm. than the years before. And if you now look at, at, at the years, it's more on a double digit versus a single digit, depending, depending on what is the street, what is the environment. If you have a, a, a more simple environment like a highway, yeah, mm -hmm. it's more single digit or even today. If you have something like a downtown New York, oh my God, <laughs> they have so many corner cases, it will probably not be very soon that you have a fully automated AD vehicle in downtown New York and downtown San Francisco, anything like this. <laughs> if you look, if you look at the space of like business cases for trucks, highway, exhibition campuses with simulation. If, if we're talking about driving uh, driving uh, four hours on a highway from A to B, and, and then I read a book or I don't know what, uh, watch, yeah. watch a movie or, or, or have fun with, with my family, with my friends, this is, this is going to happen fairly soon, I believe, because mm -hmm. these are well, well understood mm -hmm. use cases. Mm -hmm. Now think of uh, long distances like the ships, AIDA, yeah, when people take a ship to move to Venice, I don't know where, and mm -hmm. spend uh, thousands of people's recreational services. Okay, uh, this this can happen. This can happen fairly fairly soon in such an environment. But downtown New York, maybe <laughs> <laughs> no. a little longer. Probably up yes. to those years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, interesting. It's, it's interesting when I ask this question, the, the, the difference in terms of the gap in what um, each of you guests come up with is really fascinating when you answer that. Some will say it's in five years and others will say no. at least 60 years, you know, that sort of stuff. So it's interesting. Um, Marianne Holt, a, a really interesting conversation today on Headstone. I really do mean that. Many thanks for your time <laughs> and insights. My pleasure. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.